All right. Well, once again, everyone, welcome to Christ Central Church. Great to have you here this morning. Thanks again for those who are joining online. My name's Joe Crummy. I'm one of the leaders here. And it's my pleasure this morning to introduce um, some guests who are with us, some friends who are here with us. And so maybe if this is your first time here with the church family, our local church here at Christ Central, we're part of a bigger family of churches called Christ Central Churches that are part of a bigger family of churches called New Frontiers. And we have many friends who are literally all around the world. And one of our main connections over the years has been with some churches in England. And obviously, over the past couple of years, because of COVID and that, we haven't been able to uh, reconnect. And so this is our one of our first times to actually have somebody in the last three years with us from our wider family of churches. So it's my joy this morning to introduce and welcome Ginny and Stuart Bergen, who are here from Sheffield, England. And you can give them a hand. Yes, there we go. So Ginny's going to come and share in a moment, but I just want to kind of paint the picture and give us some background um, for us. So Ginny's been here with us before, and many of you know Jeremy Simpkins helps lead our Christ Central team, and we heard Jeremy even just a few weeks ago via video. And Ginny is on Jeremy's team, and, uh, and based in Sheffield, the church Mark and Debbie were a part of before they came here. And Ginny, over the years, has, um, God's just, she's a gift to the church, and one of the ways she helps us as a church is she god just given her a real gift to be able to hear from god and kind of help see a bigger picture of what god's doing in amongst the churches and then being able to communicate that to leadership and to local churches and how that shapes and molds us and helps us going um forward and so jenny has done that over the course of number of years and then has spoken in pastorally to some uh, things as well both in local churches and our wider family of churches. So what we've asked Jenny, what we thought, as it's been a weird couple of years, and honestly, we've been quite isolated here in Fredericton, Atlantic Canada, we thought it'd be helpful as Jenny and Stuart are with us for Jenny just to come and just to kind of share what God has been putting on our heart, sort of pre-COVID, during COVID, where we're going, and what is God saying to us as a wider family of churches and how that affects us here as a local church and it helps just to give some perspective it helps us to earth some things and it also helps just lift our heads to know god is in control and god's working things out so jenny i'm going to invite you to come and to share and she's going to be sharing tonight again at our prayer meeting so everyone's welcome to that 7:30 here and then again tuesday with the ladies here at 7:30. so jenny welcome and thanks for being with us Thank you. That's my pocket. <laughs> so, I think I'm going to have to move this, aren't I? Because it's. Hmm? Okay, I keep going. I keep going. So, before I start. Last week, we were at our home church in Sheffield, City Church Sheffield, and they were all praying for me and Stuart as we were coming on this trip to Canada. And so the whole church was praying for you guys here in Fredericton, uh, for the church in Charlottetown, for the church in Moncton, and all the Atlantic churches. So, so they were a real burst of prayer for you all. Just want you to know that. Uh, and then their answer was to send us. 
So. So yeah, so you've got this. <laughs> so as Joe's just said, I'm not going to bring the classic three-point sermon. I'm not a preacher and never intend to be one. Uh, I'm someone that sometimes teaches on subjects that I'm passionate about. But today I'm just going to try and unwrap um, something. I can't do the whole, but I'm going to try and unwrap something of what I feel God's been saying to the churches in the West which includes you, um, and where we're going. Because I found that in the midst of the pandemic, people were feeling like in some kind of limbo. Well, we're just waiting to be able to come out the other end and get back to normal. And actually, I kind of firmly know and knew then and know now that we never meant, we're never meant to go back to normal. Uh, we are not going back to how we were. That's a definitive statement that I am 100% confident of. And none of us like change. And none of us like to see things upskittled and thrown up in the air. But actually, God's been doing that. And um, we might say, well, the last two years of the pandemic, it's been like being in this wilderness. But actually, God had begun something before the pandemic. And the pandemic began the big wake-up call to the church and people now think well COVID is diminishing it's finishing it's under control so the wake-up call has finished no it hasn't it's it's still underway and uh, God spoke to me quite a bit through the book of Joshua I'm not going to read any lengthy sections of Joshua because I'm really just going to go referencing bits and pieces but if you did want to try and follow, you could turn to Joshua. Um, and what I felt sort of during the early part of the pandemic is that we were in this kind of in-between time that some people call a wilderness, um, but like this in-between time where everything had gone on hold, but actually it wasn't a passive thing where we just wait, but it was an active waiting, an active time where God was at work in our hearts, in the churches, in the nations. And this whole story of Joshua came through. And I was drawn to the fact that it starts right at the beginning, break up the camp. And uh, it was as if God was saying, I'm going to break up the camps. And you may feel that's happened with you. It's certainly happened with Sheffield. It's happened with many, many, many churches. There are consistent things that will have happened in your church across across the West. And um, the people of Israel that Joshua were leading at that time had been living with promises for oh, 450 years-ish. They'd been in the wilderness for 40 years. Prior to that, they'd been slaves for 400 years. But they were living with promises of having their own land and having a deliverer, and so on. And generation after generation, we're passing these promises on to the next generation. There must have been that sense of, will we ever see it? But then there comes jo the Joshua generation. 
and these ones are going to see it. And what I want to try and get through to you is when you hear reference to the promises of God over you and your life and your church, you could easily think, will we ever see it? And what I want you to kind of get hold of is we're living in days where we are going to see promise being fulfilled. But things had to happen before that did. So for Joshua, he's broken up the camp. They're on the edge of Jordan. And as you know the story, the Jordan parts and they cross Jordan. And they get to the other side of Jordan. And the first thing they do is set up a memorial, a pillar of stones uh, that they pile up. And, uh, and they say, when people in the future come and see these stones, they're going to say, what do these stones mean? And it's, it's like a, a definitive thing that says the God of all history has been leading us. This is our history and this is where we're going. And he's a God of promise and he's fulfilling promise. And so there is that sense in which there's a time going on right now of reiterating our history and defining who we are and where we're going. And I believe that's what God is kind of taking us through right now. You know, this is who we are. We're a people of the spirit and we're going here and we're going there. And individual churches have got their own individual promises from God and those are being reiterated right now. So it's a time to remember what God has promised and, and, and almost draw a line to say, we've come through stuff and now we're going into stuff. But then he kind of went on to, to lead the people into a time of consecration where he, if you read the story, uh, the whole of Israel are circumcised because they hadn't been for so long. None of the generations that had come through in the wilderness had been, so there's this time of circumcision. And um, you can read about that in chapter 5. All the people who came out of the wilderness were circumcised. All the people who were born in the wilderness along the way as they came out of Egypt had not been circumcised because they'd walked in the, in the wilderness for 40 years. And so they come to that place where they're all circumcised, which actually is a sign of consecrating themselves to God. And, and that kind of means they're reiterating that they're separated out people, separated out to God, a special people. And I'll come back to that. And they're also kind of on their own then because they've been feeding off the manna that God was miraculously sending every day and the quail. But it says that from that point the manna ceased and they had to go out and they had to find their own food. So there was this sense of we had not been this way before. And actually that's a sense of of what's around right now in the churches that people are saying, well, we don't know where we're going. We've not been here before. What is happening? And one could get discouraged sometimes, except if you come back to the scripture and recognize the fact that you've not been this way before is because you're going into something that you've not seen before. 
Uh, and we, as I said, we're, we're people who don't like change. So we pray for the promise and we say we want to see the promise, but we don't like change, so we plod along. And then when something changes and we don't know where we're going, we get fearful. But we don't need to be fearful because God's at work. We are like these new creations. It, the Bible talks about us being new creations. You know, there's that famous thing about the caterpillar and the butterfly. The, the caterpillar exists and then eventually it goes into this cocoon state and then eventually it comes out the other side as the pretty butterfly. But in that middle, it's hanging there basically there's nothing happening or seemingly nothing happening and and it's a well-known fact that if you try and prod that and try and get the butterfly to come out actually you just kill what's inside you can't make it happen you have to wait for the thing to evolve and it's like we're in that cocoon state right now wondering what's happening and we need that sense of knowing god's god's got this point where he's bringing us out into the new and that new is is as new as what the butterfly is to the caterpillar because new creation is in us that process is about metamorphosis or transformation and transformation is part of being a christian that, that god transforms us by the power of his spirit and his word at work in us so we are meant to be this people of transformation we're meant to be this people who um, follow the promises of god we're meant to be this people who are full of faith and have left behind unbelief and the difference between the spies that moses sent out and the spies that joshua sent out was that joshua's spies were full of faith and they came back saying we can do this so there needs to be this moment amongst us in this time of consecrating ourselves to God where we own together. We can do this. We know what God is saying. We have faith. And when you read on in the book of Joshua, the, the battles that they then come to have are no longer battles to get over their unbelief. They're not about battles to get past their grumbling and their difficulties and their lack of food they've got past that they've got to that place where their faith is firmly rooted in god now and their battles become about grabbing hold of the promises and that's where we're going folks we're shifting from having battles about our unbelief and battles about our needs and battles about how we feel and grumbling and we're shifting into battles to grab hold of the promises because God is dealing with us in this time. So, as Joshua and the people had crossed over Jordan, they've come to that point where those promises are no longer hundreds of years in the future those promises are now coming into the here and now. They were recognizing 
again, that they were a marked out people, separated for God, and that they had promises to get hold of this land. Now, we are not meant to just live with promises that are far out in the future, that we say we believe, and yet we think we're never going to see. But rather, we are a people to be expectant that we are going to see these promises fulfilled in our day, in our time. Now, that might not mean every single one, but promises that he has given you, you can see coming into fruition. And one needs to have that expectancy, that faith, that we're going to do that. So that means that just as all this was going on with Joshua and the people coming out the wilderness to press through the Jordan and so on, the breaking up of the camp means a bit of a shaking. And in um, one of the scriptures that I was taken to is in Hebrews. Hebrews 12, where I find it, that is. See to it that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For if those did not escape when they refused him who warned them on the earth, much less will we escape who turn away from him who warns from heaven. And his voice shook the earth then. But now he has promised, saying, Yet once more I will shake not only the earth but also the heaven. This expression, yet once more, denotes the removing of those things which can be shaken, as of created things, so that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us show gratitude by which we may offer to God an acceptable service with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. And I just felt God beginning to, to show me a whole lot of shaking that was going on, you know, we used to sing songs in the 50s, there's a whole lot of shaking going on. <laughs> um, but, and we are living in this time of shaking. <clears throat> and the wake-up call is about the fact that we're to get our faith ready, we're to get ourselves together as a church ready, because going into the promises means withstanding some shaking. But just to say and reiterate this, we have received a kingdom which cannot be shaken. And we've been marked out as separated to him. And, you know, it says in the Bible that he puts a mark on our foreheads. All, all the Christians, all the saints have a mark on their foreheads, in spiritual terms, that is, that marks us out as belonging to him and belonging in his kingdom. Therefore, we have no need to fear because we are caught up in that which is unshakable. All that is in us is of him, or all that is of him that's in us cannot be shaken. And it will remain because we are hidden in him. 
But within the shaking is this sense of things surfacing and difficulties and so on. And the other um, scripture that God took me to was in Revelation in chapter 3 where it says, I advise you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may become rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourself and that the shame of your nakedness will not be revealed and I self to anoint your eyes so that you may see those whom I love I reprove and discipline therefore be zealous and repent behold I stand at the door and knock if anyone hears my voice and opens the door I will come into him and will dine with him and he with me and so on and it finishes by saying he who has an ear let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Buy from me gold tried in the fire. Um, I come from a steel town. Um, when I was a young woman and first started work, I worked in the steel industry. Um, I consequently have some pretty impressive qualifications in iron and steel making for what the, for what good they do me but but when you know how the process of steel is made you know that there's a lot of raw materials plus a load of what is scrap metal gets tipped in this great big thing a furnace and by the time of my day it was called an electric arc furnace and then they basically pass this enormous electric shock current through the whole thing and they heat it to something off the planet in terms of the temperature and um, as it melts as everything melts what they call slag rises to the surface the slag is the dross the stuff they don't want and when the whole process is finished, they tap off the slag to leave the pure metal. And it's a similar process in making gold. So what are we being asked? We're being asked to get rid of the slag, the dross, the stuff that surfaces that we don't really want in our lives. It's a time for dealing with those things at a personal level, at a church level, it's a time for dealing with the slag or the dross. It's a time for throwing off those things that hinder us individually and corporately. Because he's about forming not steel but gold. He's forming gold in each of our lives and with us as a church and churches. So as that process is happening, it's coming as we learn again to drink at the well of our own salvation. Um, and this is the main thing I want to talk about, drinking at the well. You know, we've had that call to be bold and courageous. We've had the call to throw off unbelief. We've had that call to get rid of everything that hinders us. 
we're having that call to get ready for the fight of faith battles to trust him for the seeming impossible because he wants us to see promise coming into reality and not just out there somewhere in the future so we need to come to that point of actually believing we're going to see these things and he's standing at the door knocking that passage gets used in uh, when an evangelist is preaching so much but it's actually written to christians he's standing at the door knocking and he's saying are we prepared to open up our lives to him further this consecration time involves drinking at the well so what do i mean by that well for them it was this time of circumcision and reflection on who we are because we are a separated out people and it was the circumcision the act of that which was the symbol of them being a set apart people for us it's the fact that the spirit is among us that we're a people led by the spirit is, is that which separates us out we're mocked out with that which is unshakable we are new creations in him and his promises are going to come to pass and sooner than you think and you know western culture reads the bible we all do this we read the bible and we assume that all the experiences within there that we read about are individually based and of course individually we come to god and individually we are born again and individually we are baptized in water and individually we pray and individually we baptize in the spirit and individually we read our bibles of course we do of course we individually have our walk with god but when we are born again we are born into a people we are part of a community of the saints Biblically, all these things that happen to us when we are born again, all these things that we read about in the Bible are into a corporate setting. So 1 Peter 2 verse 9 says, You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellences of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvellous light. You know, we are this set-apart, peculiar people. And yes, you might think a lot of us are peculiar. But it means we stand out. We stand out as different from the world. And you see, this is what the big wake-up call is all about. We weren't standing out as different from the world. There were no obvious distinctives be between us and the world up out there and the wake-up call and the moving through all this stuff and the shaking and the throwing off the things that hinder us is because we are meant to be distinctive from the world around us and that's the way we are headed 
it's not just an individual faith, it's a corporate faith too. So the Sunday gatherings, and this is what I really want to encourage you, the Sunday gatherings are about our acknowledging and being built up in this separated out people. It's about the corporate gathering together. And it's the place where we can, we're distinctive in the world, but we need encouragement. So we come together on Sundays and we have this time of encouraging one another, of hearing God's word, of being strengthened through the teaching and so on. And Jude 20, 21 tells us to build, build yourselves up in your most holy faith praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God. How do we keep ourselves in the love of God? Well, obviously at an individual level, we have various ways of doing that, reading the Bible, praying and so on. But largely we keep ourselves in the love of God by keeping in community with this chosen people that we are part of. And you may look around and think, special to me. But that's the beauty about what God does. He takes earthen vessels. He takes those who the world thinks are nothing, the weak, despised, and he makes them into a special people. And we are that special people. And we are going to be carrying something distinctive that becomes the answer to the world's needs. I am going to have to move a bit swifter. <laughs> so when we gather together, obviously we listen to the teaching. We listen uh, when, you know, when we're having something uh, taught, expositionally, right through the book. We're in Acts at the moment. To one, one week, chapter to another, we grasp hold of what this faith is about. We get faith from our teaching. It's also about our serving and giving and so on. But the thing I want to focus on right now is, is the drinking at the well that comes from our worship together. Our praise, our giving thanks, our worship songs. And I'm talking about Bible-based songs, not the songs that are all about me and how I feel. You see, there's something that's needing to be broken in the Western culture, and it's that therapeutic thing about God is here for me. God is not here for me in that sense. I am here for him. And we've got to come along, when we come along to our Sunday gatherings, and we've got to start putting down this thing of, what can God do for me today? Um, I don't feel like it today. I don't want to sing them songs today. Well, I don't think, I don't feel as if that means me, so I'm not going to sing it. We've got to start putting down the I, I, me, me, and get back to that place of this is about the one who died on a cross for me. And when he died on that cross for me, I rose, I, I rose with him in the act of baptism, I rose again from putting myself to death to living for him so we come living for him living for being part of this special peculiar people 
strengthening one another to go back out into our distinctives for another week. So the songs are biblical based. So we sang that song, didn't we? I'm going to fall face down because of him. And how great is our God. These are songs that we declare together. So together with this temple, we're this, we're this people, we're this temple. And you know, when, when you take the analogy of the temple, um, you can think about big buildings. You may have seen some impressive buildings in your time, I have. And um, when I see these buildings, I don't see an individual stone. I don't see all the individual stones. It's not about the individual stones. It's about the glory of the whole building. So we as individuals come together and it's not the fact that we're individual stones. It's the fact that together we are the whole building. And it's that that is glorious. So we need to kind of, I think God is bringing us back into that recognition that we're a corporate community of his saints, a corporate community where he can fill us with his spirit corporately as well as individually out there. Um, in 2 Chronicles, you can read the story of Solomon building the temple. And when they finished it, it says, when Solomon finished the building, the temple, sorry, when Solomon finished building the temple, everyone with one voice And then the glory of the Lord filled the temple to the point that then no one could stand to minister because God's glory filled the temple. Today, collectively, we are that temple and God wants to fill us with his glory. And yet we come along as individuals and, oh, I don't feel like singing this morning or, you know, it's been a bad morning already. The kids have been fighting and I've lost my temper with them and, I feel guilty now because I'm here, you know, I can't see. That's just the voice of the enemy. Because he doesn't want us to get to the point where the Spirit of God descends upon us. We worship him. And this is part of drinking at the well. Jesus stood up and said, you know, I am the living water. If anyone is thirsty, come to me and drink. And that's what he's saying now. Come to me and drink. Because he wants us to have a drinking session. Not just one, by the way, not just one meeting. We've been having drinking sessions, if you like, ever since I first brought this, months ago at home. And something's happening. Something's kind of going up a notch. Or somebody called it the other day, um, there's momentum. And there's that sense that God's coming more and more by his spirit. And this is drinking. So right now is the season to drink. In all that's going ahead and all that's been, right now it's the season for drinking. And you know what Jesus then said? Those that drink from his water will then have rivers of living water flowing out from their innermost being. As we drink together, 
as this special people. Our distinctives are going to grow and the living water is going to flow out through us. And I felt drawn to this picture of an orchestra. I, well, I actually dreamed about it. I dreamed about an orchestra and for someone who hasn't got a musical note in them, that's pretty good, I think. Um, I don't even know what all the instruments are in an orchestra. But in an, or in a, in an orchestra, all the individual members, of course, are very highly skilled in their field. A violinist would be highly skilled in the violin and, and the, uh, dr the drums and so on, percussion, all highly skilled. Uh, name any other name <laughs> of instrument. They'll all be highly skilled at what they do. They'll all be able to play pieces of music in their own right. But when they sort of have to do a presentation of, say, Chaco, 12 overture they all come together thinking oh I might play sh I might play tonight or um, oh I might do a bit of Mozart on on my piano today they don't come like that they know that when they come together they are presenting one piece together they know when they come together that they haven't got to concentrate so much on their own thing, but they've got to concentrate on what the rest of the orchestra is doing. So uh, in 1812, for instance, those percussionists, you'll see, if you've ever watched them, you see them ready like this with these great big padded drumstick. And they're waiting for that moment when they know they've just got to go bang and sound the cannon. They're listening to everybody else. They're not listening to their own ability or lack of it. And that's how the whole piece comes across because they're so one in what they're doing if they're a good orchestra. Now, don't hear me wrongly. I am not saying that our worship should be anything like a performance. Far from it. But what I'm saying is, when we come to our worship, we need to take a step back from ourselves and be aware and put ourselves into the gathered body, put ourselves into this community in bringing an offering to him in response to what he has done for us. We need to get back to the togetherness of our worship you know, sometimes um, we'll have a song and it will just so affect someone that, that, that someone might sing out in, in a tongue, a different tongue. And then someone else might sing and, and interpret and so on. And it's like we're all ready to go with where God is taking us as a whole. We become that symphony together. We used to sing a song years ago, let me be a sweet, sweet sound in your ear. But we don't apply that individually, we apply it corporately when we meet together. And then you say God inhabits our praises. He comes into our praises. And just like in Solomon's day, he comes and fills the temple and his spirit begins to move among us.
and as he inhabits our praises, we begin to experience his presence. And he will do things like remind us of his grace, or he can he even bring healing emotionally, spiritually, even physically in those times. He does things when we get beyond ourselves and let our unity praise rise to him. When we sing to God, just like when we pray aloud, we're actually declaring our being a temple together. When we do it on our own, and this comes into being, we are declaring that God exists. When you're at home and you pray out loud, you do that because you are making this assumption that God exists. Declaration that God exists when we pray out loud. And when we sing his praises, it's that same declaration that God exists. So when we do it corporately, there's this corporate declaration, God, you exist and our faith and our trust is in you. And therefore we can assert again our confidence in him. And so that means we are built up in our faith. We go away from that, built up in our faith for another week. So we have to get past our battles with feeling like, well, I'm, I've only just managed to get out the door this morning. You know, I'm, I'll let everybody else sing. And, and stop seeing the guys on the stage as being the ones who do the songs and we just join in. Because it's not like that. They're there to help us. They're, hel they're there to help people who can't sing for toffee. Because when Angela sings at the top of her voice, I can sing at the top of my voice and nobody notices that I can't get it right. <laughs> and that's what they're there for. To encourage us. They're not there for us to kind of just mouth the words or mumble along and let them do it. We have to gra grasp the community aspect of our faith because it's as a body that the children of Israel went in and claimed the land. And it's going to be as a body that we go in and claim the promises. Joe's not going to do it for you. Mark isn't. Or the worship band. All of us together go in and claim the promises. So this is what I'm feeling God's doing amongst us that we're having this time of drinking at, at a simultaneous time to having the same, the same time, sorry, having a time of shaking. The shaking's going on and the dross is coming up and we've got to skim that off and we've got to get rid of what hinders us, whether that's individually or corporately. But at the same time, we're drinking. Let's drink. And all the time, every time we had, have this drinking session, we're going to find that we're experiencing the spirit amongst us more and more. Yeah. 
Romans 8.16 says, The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are the children of God. And it's going to be in the, in the worship times when we get hold of this that we will experience God in many ways. And, you know, he will come sometimes to take us into joyful praise. Maybe another time he'll come to captivate us again with his glory and our response is just more worship. And sometimes maybe those moments, like I spoke about earlier, where people just sing out in tongues. Sometimes he'll come and instill us with a strength and a resolve to keep going in the battle. Sometimes he comes and reminds us of his power and the experience that we could have as we press in with him to see powerful things happen. Sometimes he comes and encourages us to pray for the sick and we say healing. Worship times are not going to be the same every time because God presences himself differently with us each time. But it's in these ways we learn to see him move. We learn to see him um, moving here and there. And we learn about the gifts together. We learn to recognize what he's doing in our midst. So sometimes we learn, you know, actually this is about, this is really about a time for praying to him, bringing our request to him. And sometimes we learn that this is about, about um, a time of just declaration of who he is and how great he is and what he's done and what he can do. And then sometimes we recognize that this is a time for reading key scriptures. Or other times we kind of have that strange silence coming over us and we realize this is a time when he's going to speak to us and the prophetic comes. Folks, it's as we learn to drink together through our worship that we will experience more and more of these things. The worship time, as we call it, can be a time for learning about his ways with us. And it's a time where we experience him and the spirit leaps in us just like that baby in Mary's womb leaped when they met Elizabeth and Mary and it said the baby leapt in the womb. The power, power of God's spirit at work amongst us. And sometimes I think maybe we don't allow enough time for our worship to, as it were, get off the ground before we all want to interject uh, a prophecy, a, a word, a reading, whatever. And God sometimes does come right at the beginning of our time to somehow significantly impact that time. But often it's as we begin to really drink that the exhortations and the prophetic and so on begin to come through. So it's about coming back right now to a place of drinking. About beginning to forget ourselves. Think of ourselves like the, the symphony. It's not about our gifts and our talents. That's part of the corporate that God just 
cause us to spontaneously come through. But it's about getting back to understanding why and how we worship, how we experience him, recognizing the spirit, recognizing how he moves, because he wants to take us from that place into times of seeing promises. And we will need to recognize how he works. We will need to recognize his spirit at work for that to happen. So for me, although it's a big time of shaking at the moment, and I don't just mean in, in the Christian circles, I mean in the world, it's a time of shaking. For me, it's also an exciting time. I've prayed my entire Christian life to see revival in my nation. I can't pretend I've seen it for your nation, but I've been praying to see it in my nation all the time I've been a Christian, which I've lost track of how long that is, 40 plus years. And I'm getting so excited because I feel like it's never been as near. But that will happen as we rise to our distinctives. And that will only happen as we learn to drink and we learn to be community together in drinking. We're not just worshiping that inner God that we've learned to interact with and pray to. We're worshiping the God of all history, the God of all time. We're worshiping the same God that Abraham worshiped and Jacob and Joseph and Elijah and Elisha and David and Solomon and any number of others and Mark and Luke and Matthew and John and Peter and Paul and Barnabas and so on. We're worshiping the same God because we are caught up in the same nation with them. We're not just on our own, an individual stone. We are part of that building that will be so glorious it'll be hard to look at it. And he wants to stir us again into drinking and understanding the moving of his spirit in readiness to go into promise. So I hope that's helped to define where we've been, where we're going. And I think I will leave it there.